0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad in 2011. And with me is my host, direct from Brooklyn, the uh, detective second grade, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? Pretty good, Bill. Thank you again for
1: having me back.
0: Oh, I love having you here, man. It brings a little more culture to it. it brings that Italian culture from Brooklyn across across the bridge, you know. But All tonight right. tonight we have an amazing guest, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. She's a, a born and bred Manhattanite, actually. She's Irish, so I'm a little, you know, prejudiced because I'm from the same Paisan, you know. But Elizabeth Crotty is running for Manhattan District Attorney. And it's, it's such a thrill to have her on the show. Liz, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here tonight. So I'm looking forward to talking to you and Phil tonight about all things police.
0: That's right. All things police. We'll get on some other topics, too. We'll maybe ask you for a uh, recommendation for a good restaurant, because I know you're a Manhattanite. You must have some s- some good places to go. I
1: can help out there, too. I know some good restaurants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, well, let's get right to it. Let's get right down to it. Now, One of the good things is, as far as the electability of yourself, is that you are a Democrat. So I'm going to let everyone know that. You're a Democrat, but you're centrist, maybe a little to the right uh, Democrat. You're a law enforcement, uh, uh, pro-law enforcement, pro-prosecution candidate. And that's a good thing because we're seeing a lot of things in this city right now that for people that are in law enforcement or have been in law enforcement, it's driving us crazy. You want to maybe comment about that?
2: Sure. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 a native New Yorker, and as my friend Grace Sullivan told me the other day, you should start saying you're a Side Town native. So that's uh, right, Side <laughs> Town native. But you know, I'm a, I'm an old school liberal Democrat. I vote Democrat. You know, I I didn't vote for De Blasio twice. And, you know.
0: Oh my God. God!
2: Shame <laughs> on you. <family> twice, shame <laughs> on me. And and I just think like and and I've been on both sides of the courtroom for the past twenty years. And someone asked me last night. Uh, and I thought it was a fantastic question. They're like, you're running as the law, quote law and order candidate. Um, I like to I like to say putting public safety first, but whatever you call it. Uh, why do you? Th- why are you as a defense attorney running as, as the law and order candidate? I was like, because I've been on both sides of the courtroom and I completely respect that the district attorney's office is a law enforcement job and it is to enforce the laws of New York. It is to speak up for victims and it's also a responsibility to keep innocent people from becoming victims. And that's what the job is. I have great respect for the defense bar um, and I have great respect for what they do, but making the district attorney's office like a defense bar is not going to serve the very neighborhoods that need it the most, especially in high crime neighborhoods.
0: So you know, that- Liz, you are, you are polished. That was polished. You didn't even take a breath. You got it down. <laughs> Listen, well, Liz, not- I just wanna, I wanna play a quick video of you. And I know, th- uh, I'm gonna add it right to the stream now. And here we go. And uh, I know you spent a lot of money on this video, so I wanna make sure that it gets out there.
2: I'm Elizabeth Crotty and I love New York City. I love it because I grew up here and I built my career here, but the New York we know is in crisis. The last 18 months have been heartbreaking with so many communities devastated by the pandemic. And now we're seeing daily headlines reminiscent of the seventies and eighties when violence crimes were the norm. My opponents want to ignore our history, but I cannot. Our future prosperity depends on a safe city as district attorney. I will use my experience on both sides of the courtroom to keep our streets and neighborhoods safe. And when crimes do happen, I'll be a fierce advocate for victims to ensure that victims get the justice they deserve. Let's put public safety first and make me, Elizabeth Crotty, your next district attorney. I'm Elizabeth Crotty and I approve this message.
0: Wow, that was great. That was excellent. Awesome.
2: Thank you so much. I mean, it's, I think it gets to all the heart of the matter of, you know, I think everyone in this race is running on a progressive platform. And I said since the beginning uh, in August when I started running and they're like, uh, are you a progressive? I said, no, I'd like to look, look at put facts before policy. And I think that that's what the role of the prosecutor does. And, you know, I think I've been talking about public safety since I started my campaign. Um, It's because I am a practicing defense attorney. I am in and out of court. I see what's happening and I'm a constituent as well. And I think that, you know, we can all see what's unfolding on the streets on a day-to-day basis and we need to be responsive to it. I think a lot of people are running on a national platform that's really tone deaf to what we're seeing every day here in the streets. And, and, you know, I just came out swinging and started talking about it when I started my campaign in August of last year.
0: Phil, you want to, you got anything to, uh, perspective you want to ask
1: well when you uh when she started talking and then if you didn't cut her off that was going to be a great opening statement oh my god i had to
2: but
0: you know something that was too smooth it was too yeah yeah. like i was like i thought i was
1: here in final summation you know yeah. yeah. it was like an opening statement or a final (laughs) summation and not even like looking at notes or anything it was pretty good Uh, (laughs) liz i'm just so happy to be part of the show tonight to uh, talk with you um you know obviously the the police department police officers and the district attorney's office work hand in hand to combat crime and to seek justice for uh, victims. Uh, as of late, uh, we've had a tremendous uptick in violent felony crimes, uh, gun crime crimes. Um, Cy Vance did an op-ed and he kind of pointed the finger at the pandemic, which uh, Bill and I uh, vehemently disagree with. Uh, we think there's a lot of components to the whole uh, uptick in crime you know, maybe the, uh, pandemic does have a, uh, a spot in there, but it's, uh, it's not the major cause as we see it. I mean, the, uh, stop, stop questioning frisk being reduced, uh, actually uh, taken away and the, uh, you know, the, uh, bail reform, uh, uh, we call it turnstile justice. You're arrested today and you're out tonight and, uh, guys are getting caught with guns and they're, you know, two and three and four and five and six times back out on the street. So, uh, you know, if you're elected, which, uh, you have the backing of all of the unions at the police department, uh, how are you going to, uh, tackle that?
2: Right. Well, I'm, I'm really honored to have not only the, the, the captains, lieutenants, detectives, sergeants, uh, former police commissioners, Dick Condon and Bray Kelly, uh, Dick Ravitch. I also have the firefighters and the EMTs because, you know, we spent the last 14 months, um, you know, having great celebrations for first frontline workers. And, you know, the way I see it, police and firefighters and EMTs are the original first responders. And how do they get lost in the shuffle? And I think the police have had a really rough uh, 18 months. That's unfair to the job that they do, the tough job that they do. And I think that that's, that's why I took the endorsement. That's why I'm proud to have the endorsement. I start every night talking about my my endorse, endorsements. And I also like to quote Shirley Chisholm, you know, she says, I am unbought and unbossed. And I feel the same way because there's a lot of money in this race. And I think we have to really, you know, take up for the, the endorsements where they are endorsed for pure, um, you know, talent and, and what their voice for is. And I think when we go to, to look at and use the district attorney's office as a bully puppet, you can really change both bail reform needs to further reform. And the furthest reform, the first reform that has to happen is you have to get rid of desk appearance tickets while people have open cases. That's ridiculous. Like if you have, if you have an open case, you should not be eligible for a desk appearance ticket. And that is not the case right now. And, and, you know, what I'm seeing from some of my defense attorney friends is that you have people who have multiple cases in multiple bureau, uh, boroughs and it's just untenable. I mean, if you commit a crime while you have a case pending, you should at de- minimously be brought in front of a judge because, you know, as we know, there is the clarity principle. And what that means is that deterrent, when people get arrested, they don't think, oh, I'm going to get three to six or, oh, I'm going to spend, get 30 days. They think, I don't want to spend the next 24 hours in jail. And, and we and bail reform's gotten rid of that. So people don't have that natural deterrence that we had before of, of saying, I don't want to go get put through the system. And I think that that's the first thing we have to change.
0: You know, I like to quote, you quoted Shirley Chisholm. I like to quote Clint Eastwood, go ahead, punk, make my day.
2: <laughs> but you
0: see, I'm not running for office, so I could say that, you know. Yeah. Liz, one of the things... <laughs> you know, we also have some humor on the show, but it's, one of the things I wanted to say was basically nationally, not just New York city and pardon the expression I'm going to use. The police have been de-balled. All right. And in this city, the evidence of that is the diaphragm law, which is the most ridiculous piece of legislation I've ever seen passed by a city council. And then I don't even think the mayor had to put a stamp of approval on it because the, it it was so overwhelmingly approved. Also, Qualified immunity. Uh, cops are afraid of that. Now right. they're risking their home, their life, their, their livelihood. Um, the demonization, we couldn't say they took it away, but the demonization of stop, question, and frisk, which we all agree it, it went off the charts when they made it numbers-driven. But it is a very, very important tool for police officers to get guns off the street. You know, The other thing I want to mention, too, is the fact that police officers – their whole disciplinary record is online for everyone to see when you would do a dangerous job like policing do you want people to know where you live or do you right. want that to be the number one topic when you take the stand in a in a robbery trial or a murder trial right. do you want them to say oh detective grimaldi i see here uh you took a slice of pizza for free from guido's italian restaurant back in the uh, 2015 you know i mean come on it's ridiculous well, we're talking I,
1: I about here. that again <laughs> you know, i got-
2: what by a reporter who asked me, "Goes, would you give give over unsubstantiated reports to the defense?" And I'm like, "On what? They've just lost their heads." It's like, "On what? We can't give unsubstantiated reports to anybody in any right, context. Right, right, you can't right. do that for defendants. You can't do that for police officers." And it's just this. Who? I mean, the problem is, is like, if you play the tape, who's going to become a police officer? You know, like what? What? The, I mean, what, the, I think that. It was thirty six thousand. I think four over four thousand people have retired in the past year, and and it's just like what where, where where is the next group of police officers coming from? Who's gonna want to go and be a police officer if if they're not protected? And I think that that's that's a problem because you know it doesn't matter what happens, but if somebody gets shot or raped or robbed or beat up, the first person they're gonna call is the cops, and it's like what's what's gonna happen? And, and you know and side Vance is op-ed, he, he talks about blaming the police for the clearance rates being so low. It's like well, you cannot have it always. You,
0: you know? know what I want to mention about his article too? He tries to use both sides of the fence to prove his point, but you can't do that. You either take one point or the other. Now, he started, he's been the DA for 11 years, I believe. So he right. got, he wrote the crime statistics of Bloomberg. He wrote those first four years, and he didn't have to do anything because Crime was down, and that was the blueprint that was drawn up by Giuliani, by Bratton, and it was followed through with everybody. Now this, this disaster named de Blasio gets in. As, long, as much as it took a long time to reverse crime and bring it down and make New York City the safest city in America, it takes a while to destroy it. So for the first maybe few years of de Blasio, we didn't appreciate how much of a piece of shit he was. But now... <laughs> And and I'm saying, to to use plain language, now we all know it. And it's like, and and he's claiming, oh, you know, it just happened. You know, during the first part of my term, crime was down. It was down. You had nothing to do with it. You were riding the coattails of of your predecessor.
2: Well, you know what I also like to talk about with de Blasio and the district attorney's office is like the district attorney's office used to be this great tower of investigations and white collar crime and corruption. Like, so we have a billion dollars that's been spent in eight years on homelessness, and there's 80,000 more homeless people. Like, that's not fiscal waste. That's right. corruption. Like, where is that money going? That's- and
0: how does it cost $6,000 a month for a family of three to stay in a hotel? How, yeah. is that, how is that not the most corruption you've ever seen?
1: I know how. Corruption. Corruption. <laughs> exactly yeah. 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 what she but, said, yeah. Yeah.
2: Say, listen, you guys are not doing it. I think we should we should be subpoenaing the the bank records of these shelters. Who are they paying money? How are they getting money paid? What is going on? And you know, also look at where I think it's I think it's incumbent upon the next DA to do a full scale investigation into what got us here because it does it's not it's not fiscal waste. Liz, Please. I want to sh-
0: I want to show you a video that to me is one of the most disgusting videos I've seen in a long time, and I want you I want you to watch this and you can comment on it afterwards there you go Still- no.
3: And I... I, I apologize.
0: I'm going to start it over. I didn't have the sound. You know, let's Praying it...
2: it was on his way home when he was brutally beaten, slashed, and robbed in a subway station on Manhattan's Upper East Side. It's an Eyewitness News exclusive. Good evening at 11 o'clock. I'm Shade Better and Wild.
0: And I'm Bill Ritter. Tonight, that man is telling his story. to Eyewitness News reporter,
1: Josh Eininger. St-
3: he has 12 stitches more, in his forehead, an eye and swollen two, shut, two. the other ringed by two more stitches. And a giant COVID mask blocking what's left of his face. Out of fear his attackers may come after him again.
0: I feel angry and upset and sad.
3: As if the first time wasn't bad enough. Video released by the NYPD shows the brutal attack yesterday afternoon. As two men punched their 64-year-old victim and he fell into a turnstile, hanging on for dear life. It was about then that one man slashed him in the forehead they then stole his cell phone and about $150 in cash, leaving him gushing blood alone in the station.
1: This is
0: hit me to time here in my, in my, this eye and this eye, and the other guys, he bring like razor and, and, and do like that. And the blood is st- start coming and took the money from me and and and, 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 and disappear.
3: It happened in the shadow of Bloomingdale's at the NR stop at 60th and 3rd. The victim had just finished praying in a Midtown mosque and was heading home to Brooklyn. Cops released the video along with these still images showing the suspects distinctive limited edition footwear. One wore NBA Timberlands, the other a rare Nike model. As for the victim, he's lived in the city for 30 years. He commutes to Manhattan only to pray, but not anymore. He no longer feels safe.
2: You have to take care about this
0: uh, this issue. Or it will be long, quiet, You can't, you can't control it. Are we working for the mutts that robbed him, or are we working for hardworking citizens like this guy coming from Brooklyn to go worship? And he gets the shit beat out of him by two mutts. I'm sure they're unemployed because of COVID. You know, I'm sure they have their $500 sneakers on and they're waiting to get back to their construction job. Because of COVID, they've been unemployed. Vance, I don't think so, you know?
2: I just think it's it's disingenuous. And I think, you know, from the beginning, I, I think the subway is, you know, New York City runs on, on on public transportation and public school, which have both been, you know, had huge upsets. And, you know, I was um, riding, I ride the train to and from work. I was riding the train home in November. and Like, I saw this guy just, started going to the bathroom right in the middle of the train. And then I live on, you know, I live in an area in between two train stations that where there was pushings. And so I went to my campaign and I was like, we need to put more cops in the subway. And they're like, you can't say that. I was like, yeah, you can. And we're going to do it. And we wrote an op-ed about it and it came out in city limits in January. And, you know, unfortunately there was a quadruple stabbing 10 days later. And it was like, you have to put police in the subway and you have to put police in the subway for precisely this reason, because they stop." crimes like this from happening if it's by their very presence and i think putting police in the subway it it helps people a feel safe and b help help prevents these crimes if there was a a cop in the subway anywhere close to that turnstile jump that poor guy i mean because not only did they punch him and then they pushed him through and then they jumped the turnstile came back and slashed him i mean you know you you have that's what police work is and and i liz
0: liz one question you think either one of those guys paid their fare?
2: No, they did not. <laughs> hey. hey, that's what we're talking
0: about. She's with us. Vance took that away from the police. He took right. that well, away.
2: I think, I think, like, they like to say that turns out, John. I've been the only one who said I would prosecute um, fair beats because I think if that fair beating is a crime of poverty, then it's incumbent upon the city to make a free. You can apply for a free metro card, right? If you if you qualify for a free metro card, then you should get a free metro card. But everyone has to pay the subway fare. I have a niece who is, now she's in college, but she was in high school. She's like, oh yeah, I don't ever pay my subway fare, and I'm just like, if you ever get arrested, I'm gonna leave you in jail because that's the dumbest thing ever. Like, well, Liz, I, like,
0: I don't have to enforce it. They don't enforce you anymore, and I man. don't have I don't have to teach you the law, but you know. When someone jumps the turnstile, that gives the police search incidental to lawful arrest. And that's right. where they're coming up with lots of guns. They took that away from them.
2: Right. And also two homeless people who are in the subway because they haven't paid their home, their fare. And that's a lot of, you know, source of a lot of other crimes, too. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, when you go at your candidate, you're on the street all the time. So you meet people. And then I met this woman whose mom is a sits in one of the few toll booths left. And she was talking about how, you know, people are doing crack again in, in the subways and like the drug use. And, you know, I live on 14th and 6th where, you know, there's a whole contingent of people who live in the PATH train and they don't pay the fare. And I just think, you know, it's, it's we, we, it, we, gotta, we gotta start somewhere and saying that you're not going to prosecute certain cases. This doesn't help anyone.
0: No, not at all. You know, and the other thing is we we pulled up a um, a couple of, uh, I told you about, like Chris Ryan, who used to be the prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's office for the gun crimes unit. And he has a whole different take on gun crime than Vance does. And basically he agrees, sort of agrees with the police department that a very small population of gangbangers are doing most of the shootings in this city. And that's how we must target it. But if you talk to Vance, it's the 95 pipeline from Florida coming up and reciprocity is causing that is such horseshit. When he said that, I was just like, Oh, reciprocity, people that have gun permits from other States, they're going to cause gun crime. Are you out of your mind? That's such a liberal talking point.
2: Uh, I know, but I think too, you know, the problem with all of these is, is that like all the solutions are too long away. You know what I'm saying? And it, I mean, Chris Ryan does advocate as I have for anti-crime to come back because anti-crime are the is the unit that I don't have to tell you guys, anti-crime is the unit that got guns off the street. And it's not coincidence that they got rid of anti-crime in June of 2020 and got shootings and gun position has soared in, in, the, in the past 11. Now it's a year. It, we a year later. And, and, and shootings and gun has gone up. And I just think, like, you need to get anti-crime back as sooner rather than later.
0: I mean, you know, 100%. You know, Liz, I uh, I stay in contact with some guys from the 2-3 squad. I worked there from 97 to 2002 before I went to homicide. And one of them told me that the 2-3 just passed the amount of shootings they had in 1996. Yeah. Thank you, de Blasio. Thank you, you know.
2: Right. It's funny because you know people say to me sometimes when I say putting public safety first and every neighborhood diver- des- you know deserves to feel safe they're like oh that's this one woman at a forum said well as African- American minister said, well that's what white people say is code and I'm like no actually white neighborhoods are plenty safe it's the 20th, the 23rd the 25th the 30 second precinct that is not safe where all these shootings are happening the victims are people of color we need to we need to like shine that light on it and say here we go
1: Liz i'm so glad that you brought that up because of a lot of a lot of the policies that were enacted over the last couple of years are affecting the minority communities more than they are any the other communities the bail reform The no stop and frisk and the no anti-crime is causing black-on-black crime to explode. And you just saw the other day in Queens, we had that little boy, 10 years old, uh, some type of uh, uh, argument between neighbors, guy fired a bunch of shots into the house, killed a 10-year-old boy. Uh, Bill and I talked about it on a show yesterday and things are out of control. And I really believe that whoever put these policies in place between the governor and the mayor and district attorneys that they're accountable to, they knew that this was going to happen. How could you not foresee this? We had policies in place years back where we reduced all the crime by stop and frisk and the broken windows policy. And I mean, Vance in his uh, op-ed said that he thought that the uh, broken windows policy was racially discriminatory and it yielded no reduction in crime. Absolutely 100% not true. During the time when the broken windows policy was being enacted, there was a tremendous reduction in crime. Um, The things that he's saying are are just ridiculous. Uh, He started the reset, the project reset where they weren't going to arrest fair evaders and they weren't going to arrest marijuana in public, urination in public. And he said that during the time that those policies were in effect, we saw the lowest amount of crime. Well, like Bill had said earlier, when you change the policies, the crime doesn't uptick in one day. It takes time, and we're seeing the result of it now. The policies that were enacted a few years back—I mean, it's just really, really out of control. And I think those are, are a couple of the things: the the broken windows policy and the anti-crime, as well as the street crime units being abolished. Um, you know, it gives the cops when you're an active police officer, you want to move up, and uh, the the, uh, the career path is through conditions which is uh, you're not on patrol you're in conditions then you go into anti-crime or you go into street crime you go into narcotics and then you work your way into the bureau by taking it away they've put a stranglehold on cops that want to be active and want to advance their careers and obviously uh you know more mutts are carrying guns out in the street and uh, we're seeing the result of it right now
2: yeah i mean i think too that you know you have to like no one wants to have the conversation like there's a couple conversations no one wants to have the conversation that under policing is just as problematic and, and it like like under policing and we're seeing the effects of under policing and then i say this to a couple rooms that, that does not get well received but they're like what do you what are you doing about racism in the system i was like well Racism exists before people get arrested. <laughs> like there's, you, you you have to invest in schools. You have to invest in, in neighborhoods and an opportunity and business opportunities. By the time people get arrested, it's played out a little. And and that, that's what people don't want to talk about. You know, if you're really investing in schools and really investing in neighborhoods and really kind of trying to give people equal footing in, in, in the city. I mean, that's where it starts. And then you see, and it's just like, it just, how this is working out is really untenable. And it's, you know, I, I, as being a defense attorney too, as I see it, it's, it's socioeconomic, right? But it plays out racially, especially in New York because of the haves and the have nots. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like, we really have to have like honest, tough conversations about this. And I think part of the honest and tough conversation is is like vilifying the police is not gonna solve one problem. It's only gonna make it worse. And 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 nobody wants to have that frank and honest conversation. I mean and 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 you know that's what's so you know about what's so different about me and my campaign is that like I'm not afraid to go out and like have these like difficult conversations, because if we don't have a difficult conversation, nothing's going to change. But vilifying the police doesn't help anyone. For sure.
0: You know, know, Liz, uh, Maya Wiley was quoted the other day as saying, we can't do safety at the expense of justice, Miss Wiley said. In an implicit swipe at Mr. Adams' position, she added, we cannot, and that means we can't have stop and frisk. First of all, it's not called stop and frisk. It's called stop, question, and frisk. So you you're a lawyer. Learn the law before you start saying that, or the anti crime unit. Oh, so okay, we can't have either one of those things. Thank God she has no chance to get elected. But that's what she just said.
2: Oh well, no, actually, I think like with ranked choice voting, they they put her a second to Adams. And I mean, and I think that that's really where we have to we 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 have to really kind of. I think, like, by not amplifying certain people's ability to win, in like hoping for the best, we're gonna cause these situations. Right? Who
0: invented like, that ranked choice voting? Where did that come from? Uh, that that's was, like, like ridiculous.
2: A city mandate, you know. So it's like with with ranked choice voting. I mean, and, and it's I think you know that's what you know the people who are listening to this show, and you know, for the Democrats who are out there, for the non Democrats who are out there, is that. You really need to incur the the voter turnout in this race, they think, is going to be super, super low. And so you really have to get those moderate Democrats.
0: That's how we got de Blasio the last time.
2: Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. We have to highlight this and say, no, no, this is a real possibility. And if if anybody who's listening to this show learns anything, it's like it is incumbent upon all of us to get the vote out and to get your – moderate if you're a republican call up your your moderate democratic friends and say you gotta go and vote and it really matters and you really gotta vote for these people you know who are moderate democrats who are really going to help new york city you know get back on its feet and it's it's really it's it can't be said enough and and it's it's incumbent on every moderate democrat it's incumbent upon republicans to call their democratic friends and say because the voter turnout, you know, I'll go into like a little bit of a civics lesson, and this is like where I've been a, like a candidate for too long, but in 2017, you you have, like you had a voter turn in Manhattan, you have 1.6 million people, 865,000 registered Democrats, 220,000 people voted, you know, and in down ballot for DA, it was down to 180,000 people, right? So when you have eight people running, you know, you call up all your friends and say, you got to vote for this woman. Me (laughs) but you know, or you gotta you gotta call up your friends and say vote for Adams because it really matters. And and I think they, they said, you know, the voter turnout for this election is probably a universe. It's eight point five million people in New York City. It's probably a voter turnout near citywide of around eight hundred thousand, eight hundred fifty thousand. Like that's, that's
1: how we got the Blasio. That's that's exactly it. Low voter voter turnout. That's exactly right. So, we got.
2: so I think that that's why you know when we're having all these conversations about how things are so. For that like we have to really say, we can't just say that for cocktail. We have that, that was
0: an upper west side liberal word for cocktail. I've never, (laughs) what does it mean? I don't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) My mom still
2: taught me not to curse on, like, you know, oh, so you you can. I just, guys,
0: let's we'll get right back to this. I just have to go to a quick commercial, okay? okay, folks. If you're getting sick and tired of the taxes and all the craziness of New York and you want to move down south to Myrtle Beach, Carol Waters is a realtor, and she was for 20 years the bartender at the Fitzpatrick Hotel in Manhattan. Before that, she was in Ireland. She, I think she was from County Mayo. Anyway, she works for the Beach Realty Group. Her and her husband, Rob Mayen, who was a rollover NYPD to the fire department, they're two of the top salespeople down in Myrtle Beach. So if you're looking for sun surf and uh, a little sand and a little Re- more of a relaxed lifestyle give cow waters a call 914-261-6681 Myrtle Cal Waters sells Myrtle Beach at gmail.com if you're going to get in trouble which if you live in this city you're bound to joe murray a retired police officer is an attorney and he's a huge supporter of the police off the cuff show uh he's also a former pba boxer so don't mess with him if you you don't pay you don't pay your bill he, he doesn't mess around he collects it himself anyway You can get Joe at his new website, joe at jmurray-law.com. Now we paid all our bills. All right. I like
1: that. I want to just touch on something that both Bill and Liz kind of touched on. I think you guys were saying Bill said it in one breath and you said it in the other, Liz, about how who wants to be a cop. Well, what's going on nationally, not only in New York City, Um, In Asheville, North Carolina, the police department there is actually not responding to certain 911 calls, Uh, scams, ID theft, trespassing, harassment, things like of that nature. Now, they blame it on a manpower shortage. In 2019, that department had 238 officers. Over the last year and a half, they've lost over one third of the, the department, 84 officers either quit retired or said they don't want to be a cop in that area no more because of the current climate and policing. So we're having crisis in a small place like Asheville, North Carolina. It's going to spread throughout the country that having difficult times hiring people in, in uh, New York City. And I think it's all based on the way that uh, the we talked about earlier, the vilifying of the police blaming the police for everything. Not all police officers are brutal and uh, racially motivated with against black people or all of these things that are being alleged. I mean, every time from when I was a rookie, the first person I arrested was a fair beater when I was a transit cop and he was a white guy. And I didn't see color. I seen bad. You know, Bill, Bill and I both have the same kind of careers. We both started out as cops, anti-crime. We went to the detective bureau. I never looked at any specific job that I went to based on color. I saw bad. I saw good. I try to help the good against the bad and try to arrest the bad. That's the real, really the way it was for me and everybody that worked around me. I could speak for a large majority of police officers in the NYPD. Now, obviously there's bad apples in every police department and they needed to be rooted out. But right now the atmosphere in the country nobody's going to want to be cops and who you going to call when you need help. I mean, in Nashville, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, they're not responding. They're telling the people uh, either go online and make a report or call the uh, police station. And there's going to be a, uh, a, a very long wait to get a police officer to come out to you.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's not terrible. And you know, I, I had this, uh, I heard this African minister, You know for uh who he he was like conflict is directly proportional to space right and we just putting it in the landscape of manhattan it's 16 miles and there's 1.6 million people who live in 16 miles of space there is a social contract here of rules that we just all have to live by you know and and it's like what are we going to do when people just decide not live by these rules. I mean, it's, it's, go, it's crazy what's going to happen. And it's already happening. Uh, you know, we were talking about it before the show started, you know, there's three people living on my street right now, just with open air mattresses and, and I, and people walking down the avenues with bare feet, you know, and i am just kind of, I haven't seen this in, since the 80s, you know, since I was a kid in the 80s. I was like, it's crazy what's going on there. And and people are like, crime's not going up. I was like, I, I mean, maybe statistically the crime's not going up because, like, police aren't making the arrest, but crime is definitely going up. Well, and I
0: absolutely. just think like, it's,
2: it, you can see it with your own eyes. And it's just, it's nuts what's going on. And, and I just don't know how long people can turn a blind eye to it in the name of, like policy you know and it's like ultimately it's going to be you know we we have to we have to listen to it. it it's really untenable
0: liz i want you to watch this quick uh little gunfight that just occurred uh a while ago on the upper west side i say a couple of days ago but we'll uh we'll watch these two uh thank god they're bit be- hang on one second i
3: this couple who lived, they heard the moment shots rang out.
2: I was in this building.
3: I see about four or five police there. I'm
1: gonna, I'm
0: gonna start it all over cause you gotta, you gotta appreciate the skill of these two gunfighters. The
3: wild <laughs> shootout happened around 2 p.m. on Tuesday. Watch as the two take shots at each other while taking cover behind parked vehicles before both flee the scene. One got away in an electric scooter. My God. Jesus. this couple who lives in the area said they heard the moment shots rang out
2: i was in his building
3: i, I was... see about four or five police there mm-hmm. you know but uh over there he got police too this longtime resident said he's concerned for his safety i can't i'm in shock right now that that happened right here on my block I mean, not until it hits home so until it's in, on your block in your neighborhood, you hear about it in the news and you think you're immune. It happened between busy Broadway and Amsterdam Avenue. The shooting happened by an outdoor.
0: We sort of caught the drift. You see, it, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, two unemployed construction workers decide to get into a gunfight, you know. And it's Suffering from
1: uh, uh, results of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has to do with the COVID. I think that yeah, they yeah. they just got so upset over COVID, they took their guns out and they decided to have target practice in the middle of 103rd Street, Amsterdam to Broadway.
1: How's that for brazen and bold? Just let's have a gunfight in the middle of the Upper West Side, middle of the day. It's crazy.
2: I mean, or or what about the person who was shot on like 94th and Park? you know, in in their car. Like, I think that was uh, six weeks ago. I mean, mean, the the thing that you guys know and that I know is working in criminal law for as long as we have is that criminals are not dumb people. I mean, they know what they're doing. And they, it's like, they're not dumb. Uh, By any stretch of the imagination, they know the system sometimes better than we do. And they know that the deterrence is not there. They know that if they're not going to get caught, they're gonna act brazenly, and that's what that's what we've seen, and that's what we're gonna con- that's what we're gonna to continue to see. It like at the New York one debate, I was the only one who was like, there is a presumption of jail if you are you know if you have an illegal gun here in New York City, and that is a good presumption. Like if you have an illegal gun, you should be afraid. That your ass is going to jail. Yeah, it yeah. keeps people from holding guns. Like I, I, I don't understand why people are like, "Well, we need to have like social workers and this." And I was like, "You don't need a social worker when you have." Yeah,
0: enough- we need violence interrupters. I love that one. Violence. I don't think those
1: two guys were much afraid about being, uh, you know, held accountable and going to jail for carrying a gun and that little gunfight that they had. That wasn't the first thing on their mind.
2: Yeah, so I just think, like, we, we, we need to, you know, we need to be honest about what the landscape is there and just be like, come on, you have to call it out for what you, you can and say, this is baloney, you know? And, and everyone he, who, like Chris Ryan, I think his article was great, but I think Chris Ryan was like, we need to do more you know, gang conspiracy cases. Or, you know, everyone's like, we need to do more investigations. And, and, and they have all these suggestions for curing gun violence. Let me tell you, all of those things are very time consuming and the guns are on the street now. And how many people are going to get shot in the next six months by people come up with investigations? Like, put well, the police- well, you know,
0: Liz, de Blasio just tried to bullshit the public today, saying that we've partnered with the ATF. Yeah, hey, okay. dude, we've been working with the ATF forever. Where did oh, where, you get that from? Just a oh, total Lord. lie. Total lie, right? I right.
2: mean, I mean, but that's just politics. And so, I mean, that's one of my biggest frustrations, if I could just share, is like being a candidate. It's a lot of these candidates, like, they they just say stuff that already exists, you know? If right, I have to right. fear, like, hear about, like, a fast-track gun court one more time, I'm like – there is a fast-track gun court. And let me tell you something, shootings have gone up 40% with the fast-track gun court. So it's like, that's not going to change it, you know? And and I just don't understand why, you know, this, the, it, again, it comes back to the anti-police narrative. And police are the solution to, the, to this problem, you know? So, I, I mean, police are the solution to the problem and especially to the gun problem. And, you know, it's funny because I was on... You know, the other night with a bunch of doctors, they were interviewing all of us. And and I was the only one who was like, Well, you guys are the ones who've kept the murder rate low. If you were not good at gunshot wounds and treating gunshot wounds, the murder rate would be a lot higher than it actually is. I mean, as it is, I think it's gone up twenty-five percent. Uh, but I think that, that that's really the difference, is that we're they've gotten much better at you know, the
0: You know, and- Liz, there's there's a lot of truth to that. I remember that even when I was still on the job and someone would get shot. Seven times, and you'd go up to the doctor. Doc, is he likely? He goes, Nah, he's going to be fine. And you're like, What? He shot seven times. How's he going to be okay? And you're right. Medicine has just gotten so much better. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. but I mean, they're the unsung heroes of all of this. They've kept the crime stat low, but I just think like if we if we don't highlight what the issue is, and, and you you can't progressively reform uh, your way out of gun violence.
0: Well, you know, we would always say, too, like, if you want to, like, throw money at things, which seems to be the progressive way, throw money at kids' programs. Have have sports programs for kids. Like, we have a guy, um, Pat Russo. Pat Russo runs a boxing program for kids in in the worst parts of Brooklyn. And, you know, he has trouble getting funding from the the state. And he has success stories. that When he talks about these kids, it brings tears to your eyes. And that's... That's where they should be throwing money, not at these violence preventers. That you know, and when they, you know, everyone on the left always says, "I believe in science," and then when you show them the science that shows what they're saying is bullshit, all of a sudden I don't believe in science anymore. You know, but right. I
2: mean, I, I think that that we have to like we have to do we do have to give like young people the benefit of the doubt because it's kind of like. If we don't cut recidiv- recidivism, you know, nothing changes. And like, how can we cut recidivism? But it doesn't, and I know this is a defense attorney, and that's why I was felt so comfortable saying it. It's like people do better when you hold them accountable. When yes. you say, when you say, Oh no, we're just gonna let you go and not put any teeth behind it, it's like, well, then they just got away with it, so they're gonna do it again. Like we have to say no. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to monitor you. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt to do a program or to do something. But if you mess up, you're going to jail because jail. Liz, you know,
0: 100% and there's that whole idea. And that's for for kids. But But when when you get to adults, they have that thing called community corrections. Oh, let's have him serve time in the community because he's such (laughs) an important part of the community. He's going to his job, which he never had before. But he's gonna say that he's got two ankle bracelets on, you know, one for his gun collar and one for beating his wife. But they want him back in the community because he's such a resource, you
2: know? Yeah. I mean, I think we, 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 we that's where we have to kind of, you know, always like have the balance and like listen to all the facts, you know, and just say, come on. Like and you know, what sometimes at these forums People are like, well, do you believe in alternative to incarceration? I was like, I do, but you guys are taking it on like best case scenario that everyone actually does the alternative to incarceration, no problem. Like, right. what happens when they don't do it,
1: like, or they don't want it, like? Listen, alternate alternate uh, uh, incarceration uh, methods and policies. You know, for somebody that's addicted to drugs, I mean, that's reasonable. But if you got a guy sticking a gun in somebody's face and they don't recover the gun and he's charged with robbery and they're, they're saying, oh, let's work it out with a community program. I mean, come on. That's a little it's uh, a little off the charts. You know, you know, you're talking about violent crimes and. Uh, or,
0: or this fellow here right on the screen who tried to rape a woman at seven o'clock in the morning on 39th and Madison. Yeah,
2: I, I wonder being, if- I remember being in court one time and there was a guy in there who was being charged with rape. And he said to the judge, I want a program. And the judge looked at me and go, yeah, we'll give you the program. It's called J-A-I-L. <laughs> it works. My kind so,
3: of judge. My kind yeah. of judge. Well,
2: that was Judge Berkman. But, you know, I don't know if you knew Carol Berkman. but, but Yes.
0: Uh, oh, my God. I had her when I was a rookie cop. Yeah. Uh, it's a long story. But these guys were supposedly suing us for brutality. And... um she she uh, dressed down the defense attorney because he didn't know that we locked the guy up for swallowing ten vials of crack. He, we were chasing him for a robbery, right. and he didn't even know about the crack because he obviously didn't do his job. And then right. when he heard about the crack, he was like, "Oh my God!" You know. <laughs> and she was like, "Counsel, maybe you should come to court prepared."
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. She likes to call people out. She, and I mean, she did it to me more than once too, but I just think like, you know, there's a certain point where like certain crimes like rape or murder, you know, (laughs) there's not a program for that. Like, you you know, and and I, 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 it's just, you gotta like be honest about it, you know, and the violent crimes are, it's, it's, it's crazy what's going on and I don't see it. You know, what's the solution? You know what I'm saying? I don't I, I don't I don't hear one being talked about right now that you know after 21 years that you're kind of like, Oh, that's gonna work.
0: You know? Well, you know, Liz, it's like that it's like the people that are progressive, they have they don't even think about crime victims. Right. They just they think they're more concerned about the criminal and not the crime victim. And I that I have no patience for because Here's someone that, especially a recidivist, that's in and out of prison and comes back out. And then we got to worry about this guy again. He's been a parasite on the system his whole life. And he's committing crimes to boot. Now we got to give him money. He's got this card, that card. He's got, you know, free this, free that. We're paying his rent. I mean, come on.
2: Right. And, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think we have to really have, like, these honest conversations. and
0: They're know, not going to invite me to these honest forums.
2: No, I mean, you, you know, I just... I think Neither I'm, one of us. No, no, but, but, but like when you, you know, they, they kind of, like, when they're talking about it, it's like, it's not rainbows and unicorns. Like,
0: right, right, these right.
2: are tough decisions. And, you know, I remember the first time I was at one of these, a political club, and they had someone coming in to talk about things. And, and they didn't, like the word victim didn't come out of their mouth once. And it was just kind of like, where are victims you know what i'm saying why is nobody talking about victims i'm like what's the rights of the victim and and what does the victim want and no one and that just seems like oh well you know we're sorry we didn't you know they just they kind of gloss over it
0: yeah those are that's peripheral damage uh victim
2: and you know and it's and it's it's you know when people have been a victim of a crime you know they're never the same again like i have a friend of mine who had her car broken into and, you know, they stole stuff. And everyone's like, yeah they broke into her car. What's the big deal? She's like, I don't ever think about where I'm parking my car for at least 20 minutes, make sure everything's out of my car. And, you know, and this is just stuff in a, in a, in a car. Can you imagine that to a person, you know, who, who's been raped, beaten up on the street? You know, that poor guy who we saw, who comes to New York to to Manhattan to pray, and he's like, I'm not gonna come to pray anymore. It's like, cause he's like now gonna be afraid to ride the subway, and you've you've taken away a liberty that this guy has in a really real way, and and people don't ever talk about that. Like once you've been a victim of a crime, it's not like you just forget about it and like you move on with it. Like it stays with you the rest of your life. And and I think that that's something that can't be talked about
1: enough. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of times the, uh, like Cy Vance and some of the people, some of the other candidates that are running, they forget that they're the attorney for the victim instead of the perpetrator. Now, for instance, three of the candidates, three of the people, uh, opponents that are running for your the office that you're running for. They're talking about never tried a case. And they're saying that they're, they're, uh, Platform is they want to reduce incarceration and they want to cut prosecution of low-level crimes. What about the victims? Right. I mean, you know, they're forgetting about the victims. And you, as the district attorney, you're the attorney for the people. If it's a homicide, you're the you're the person that's representing that person to get justice for them. If it's a low-level crime, same thing. You're their attorney. So, right. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, a lot of these uh, district attorneys or people that want to be the district attorney are forgetting that.
2: Yeah, hundred. I mean, I say it all the time, Is like part of the job, you represent the people of the state of New York and part of that job is keeping innocent people from becoming victims. And that the poor Philippine woman who got her, her pelvis smashed um you know by the guy who was out on parole after killing his mother you know what i'm saying like it's like like let's like put all the facts out on the table and and i think you know it, back in the beginning of my campaign uh they they had this mass clemency letter where they said oh everyone should get who's 55 and older should just get mass clemency out, out of state prison and i was the only one who was like no they should not. I was like, besides the fact that, like, Yasmin Ortega, who killed two children, or Harvey Weinstein, who just went in, you know, for, for what he did to all those women. Yeah, who, okay. by the way,
0: Vance wouldn't prosecute because he was his buddy.
2: Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll that <laughs> uh, But, you know, I mean, it's kind of like you can't have... Like these mass clemency, mass incarceration. And that's the other thing that people like to talk about, too. They're like, what are you going to do about mass incarceration? And this is the other problem. I was like, okay, there's 8.5 million people in New York City. In April of last year, there was 3,000 people in Rikers. That's not mass incarceration on any mathematical level. And it's only gone up to 5,000 people. At the same time, we've seen like violent crime source. So I think it's like, yeah, yeah. if you want to talk about the racial inequity in, in all of it, fine, but it's not mass incarceration. And I think we have to really kind of push back on facts. And I think another problem that no one talks about is like the closing of Rikers is based on having 3,300 people in the system. And it's just like, how do you reduce crime population in, in, in jail population when crime is surging, not like five percent, ten percent, like a hundred seventy percent, a hundred percent in certain areas of crime. And it's just you know, we have to and I think people don't have all the information. I think, especially progressive and the very left, like to take snippets and put it out there in certain way and not look at the full
1: picture, somebody's got to tell o- AOC about that. She was just talking about we should no, stop putting jail. prisons. I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that you said that you're not going to follow a national policy. That's really important because we got to worry about New York. And if you listen to some of these uh, national politicians, uh, wa- politicians of Washington, they wanted to fund the police. They don't build jails. Just really uh, crazy stuff. So no, but the
2: other thing is, is that you know we lost. 650 million people came and visited New York City in 2019. We've lost a million jobs. How do you get tourists, commuters, families back in New York to get that sales tax revenue, to get that money, to get those million jobs back. None of that happens without public safety. Like there you Public go. safety is the cornerstone of getting all of this back. And that if they don't see that from the jump, they're just not seeing the forest through the trees. And I, I mean, we I can't say it enough. And, you know, yes, the by and large, the victims of shootings are people of color, but like you had in Times Square, you had four people shot. And I mean, that is the worst commercial for New York City at the time that it needs it the most, you know. You
0: know, and- Liz, Liz, just a little aside to that exact thing there was a restaurant on 46th Street, uh, right next to Bordeaux, was owned by a retired NYPD captain, and that night after the shooting, they had 60 reservation cancellations.
2: Exactly. It so
0: 60, 60 reservations could be 120 people. It could be you know, It could be double or triple that amount.
2: That's $12,000 at least for that restaurant. And think about all the people who did not make money, that waiters, bus people, all the people who did not make money. I mean, it's it's such a trickle-down effect that people are not playing the tape. And we need to... You know, highlight it as much and as often as we can is that if we do not have public safety, which the police really go, you know, are hand in hand with providing that public safety, we, we don't recover in, in, a, in a meaningful way. And the more you forestall it, the longer the recovery takes.
0: 100%. And that was just
1: one restaurant, Bill. That's only one. We got right, one. Exactly. Another. That night, Hundreds. we'll listen. We're at seven, uh, we're at 54, 55
0: minutes. Let's start. Uh, Liz, I'm going to give you. Obviously, you're our guest. We're going to give you a final summation. This is you in a trial, giving your final. Your, right. your, this well, is your I, closing.
2: I, you know. Bill, thank you so much for having me. It's been, I think, it's really been an interesting conversation. And I think the most important part of our conversation for all the listeners tonight is to uh, go out and vote. If you're not Democrats, tell your Democratic friends to vote, and most importantly, tell them to vote
1: for me. That's right. <laughs> Liz That's Liz
2: right. It's and you know my. There friend, it is. Yeah, and my website is right up there, um, lizcrotty2021.com. You can donate, uh, which is the plight of every candidate. We can take every dollar we can get uh, to get the message out. But to donate, to volunteer, um, we have early voting starts on Saturday and it goes till next Sunday and then election day is the 22nd. If you feel the need to hand out literature, we're happy to do that. So it's a a grassroots organization. Um, I like to make fun that my mom... And Her bridge group, I think, we're the only bridge group out petitioning in March, and uh, we <laughs> were fully vaccinated. But listen, I, I, I'm in this race, um, and I believe in public service. I was a public servant, and I love New York City, uh, like you guys do. You guys were public servants too. You keep the show and you keep the topics out because they're really important to all of us, and if we love New York, we have a real vested interest in keeping it safe. That's what I want to do as your next district attorney. Thank you so much for having me on to talk about the platform. It was great to meet you guys. It was really interesting and I really appreciate it. Thanks so much.
1: Liz,
0: I'm going to let Phil close out, but I said one, one night we'll have a Guinness together. All right. Oh,
2: I love a Guinness.
1: (laughs) That sounds good. That sounds good. Phil, final thoughts. Well, final thoughts. I think that, uh, Her whole demeanor, her whole uh, time with us, uh, I think that was a a great campaign uh, endorsement. You got the unions behind you. I see why now. Uh, Ray Kelly's behind you. And uh, let's hope that you could do it and uh, get those people back in New York City enjoying the restaurants, enjoying Times Square. Crime's got to be down. It worked under the Giuliani administration. Uh, Times Square did a complete 180. Let's hope we could do it again. And good luck to you, Liz.
2: Thank you guys so much. And thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, Liz, Thank it was you. great. It
0: was great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. And we're hoping for a, a, a breath of fresh air to have someone who's pro, pro, pro prosecution, pro police, because there's so much anti police out there. And uh, I feel really bad for the cops that are on the job right now. And my heart breaks for them. And uh, we try to shout out to the cops that are on the job all the time right now. Keep your heads up. And as uh, Chief Louis Anamone used to say, never, ever back down. But these days, it's like I I don't know if you can even say that because people don't have your back. Anyway, for Police Off the Cuff, I'm Bill Cannon with my buddy, uh, Phil Grimaldi. We hope that you get out there and vote for Elizabeth Crotty from Manhattan District Attorney. Everyone, good night. Good Good night.
2: night. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys.